But on the other hand, you're the master craftsman. You're going to be doing it. And there's a limit to your time. Yeah. You can only get so big if you're doing all the work. Yeah. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I, on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. Uh, now, on the far end of the spectrum, you know, let's talk about production. Say, you know, you're saying, I don't want to deal with people like that. I just want I just want to do my job. Right. So for a you while. You want to make something? I made it. This is the way it's meant to be. Buy that. Right. And at that point in time, you have to actually move away from calculating. I don't want to say you have to move away from calculating your time, but you calculate your time differently. Mm. So for a while in my law practice, I was doing uh, a business that was very repetitive. I was representing people who had traffic violations. Sounds like fun. It wasn't, but it was something that I could do quickly, efficiently, and still do uh, maintain an, some other interests that I had. Mm -hmm. Another common one you'll see is a lot of lawyers who do real estate closings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these the paperwork are, is like... It's the same process. It every is the time. same process yeah. over and over and over again. Now, if you are a young lawyer and you're thinking, I want to get out into the world and start doing real estate closings, well, your first one you're not you're gonna lose money on, your second one you're gonna lose money on, your third one mm -hmm. you might break even. Right. And by the time you've been doing it for a few months, you might build up the volume that you actually make money on. Because mm -hmm. in a process like that, what you're doing is saying one case or one closing takes me three hours. Mm -hmm. At my hourly rate is $200 an hour, that's $600. You're never going to get any work because mm -hmm. the factory <laughs> is doing is charging $200. Mm -hmm. You think, how in the world are they doing this for $200? It takes three hours and I've got overhead and da-da-da-da-da. The way they're doing it is because they're not calculating it by the one. Mm -hmm. They're calculating it by, by the 10 or the 20. Right. So yeah. when I was doing traffic law, I knew... If I go to a particular jurisdiction once a month or once every other month, by that time, I can build up five or six cases. Mm -hmm. I drive 45 minutes to the courthouse. I sit there for two hours until they call my first case, and then I have to drive 45 minutes home. Okay, so it's four hours. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I can't charge one person for four hours, but if I've got four or five cases, and each case only takes a minute, you know, mm -hmm. it's judge, here's his traffic record. He's a nice guy. He'd like to do traffic school or whatever it is. Yeah. And then that case gets done. I say, Hey judge, you know, you mind if uh, I call a couple of other cases out of order that are mine? The judge says, Hey, I'm no, here already. I'm yeah. here already. Hey, yeah. no problem. This is a relationship. This yeah. is, this goes back to another whole topic that you and I were talking about the other day about relationship building. Yes, yeah. You want the judge to say, oh yeah, Mr. Crook, he's a nice guy. Let's let's help him yeah, out. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. I've got we'll my get him in at eight o'clock as a matter of fact. Of, I know he's got to go back to Charlottesville. 
and he's probably got some other jurisdiction he's trying to get to. Mm -hmm. You know, guys like you used to piss me off in the courtroom when I was going to get tickets because I'd be like, you know what, my last name is already Harrison, so I got to wait here. And then I see the lawyer who's friends with the judge come up and he gets like his five clients and half of them's last names are like Zed. Right, you know what I mean? Because I've, like, yeah. I've already gone and I've talked to the clerk and I've said, Madam Clerk, you know, I've got four or five cases. Can you put them all in a stack for mm -hmm. me? So when I get up there for the first one mm -hmm. and the judge, we know the judge is going to let me do this. You can just hand the whole stack to the judge. Mm -hmm. I've already got all of my cases, my prep work, my the driving record of all my clients. I've got them in a nice stack too. Let's trade papers. Let's make this thing as efficient as possible. And so I'm out the door and I'm on my way home returning phone calls from the three people who called me with new cases already. And I'm in the pews with my hand up like, why is that dude's last name is Washington getting served already? Because he's a fool. That's why <laughs> the guy paid me to go to court. I would tell clients all the time, look, I ain't going to do anything better than what you can do. Yeah. If you come in there with your traffic record and you tell them you're a nice guy and whatever, you can get the same deal as I am. Yeah. I'm, the service I'm providing you is not getting you a better deal. It's getting you in and out of this thing quickly. Or you don't even have to come. You don't even have to come, right. Go to work. Go mm -hmm. do your thing. Yeah, go make money instead of losing money. Go make money. money. Give me a little bit of money to take care of this foolishness for you. Uh -huh. you, know, you might be out of state. You got pulled over on the <laughs> interstate going on vacation. You don't yeah. want to come back to Virginia? Yeah, right. Just send me a couple hundred bucks. I'll take care of it. So you're, like stat you're basically just stacking the bill, basically. You know, you're going to be there. I'm just get as much done as I can right here. And the and most fun that. days were when you actually have a trial and you'd win mm -hmm. and somebody would stop you. And, Dude, that was awesome. Can I pay you right now? My case is up this morning. <laughs> Heck Boom. yeah. yeah. Boom. I just made an extra couple hundred bucks and I wouldn't I would even plan it on. <laughs> That's awesome. So I got a business. How do I, oh, I got a bit, an idea for a business. How do I decide what's right for me? Should I, I mean, look, <clears throat> I'm a nice guy. I like people. Right. I want people to be happy. Right. Deep down inside, I wish everything was custom. You know, as a consumer myself sure. too, right? Sure. You know, so I might go into it thinking, I want to give the consumer everything that they want. Well, let's look at it. Uh yeah, here's another good business we can talk about. We can talk about our neighbors since they're not here. Um, they're woodworkers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a couple of woodworkers near where we are there at Diamondback, and, and I've had conversations with them, you know. At, at one point in time, I thought I was going to be a custom woodworker. Mm -hmm. It's a hard business, man. The idea of convincing someone to buy a $1,000 table when they can go to Ikea and buy it for $100, mm -hmm. much less a $10,000 rocking chair. Yeah. You got to have a reputation. Mm -hmm. You got to have the right customers, and you got to be good. Mm -hmm. And if you can get all of those things, mm -hmm. more power to you. Man, but you got a thousand dollar rocking chair. That better be a rocking chair time machine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, you look at a beautifully carved tiger maple rocking chair. It's a it's a thing of beauty. I understand. The point is, you got to figure out how. You, there's a lot of questions. How am I going to get mm -hmm. that customer? Yeah. Who is that customer? How am I going to build the reputation of quality? There's a there's a lot of things to do to go into that versus on the production side. <clears throat> you know, there it's again, how am I going to get the customer? Um, 
And it might be, oh, I'm going to do with social media. Maybe I'm going to figure out a way that, oh, well, there's going to be a lot of potential customers at this particular trade show or event mm-hmm. or in this particular club or whatever. And figure out how you're going to do that. All of it is about finding how you get your customer. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of think, well, which way should I go? So, you know, for a long time, I was doing litigation that was uh, construction, real estate related stuff. So, you know, I knew real estate agents and I knew attorneys that did closings because, Mm -hmm. you know, they were the people who would refer customers, hey, my client bought this house and it turns out there were all these problems or blah, blah, blah. And then like, oh, okay, well, I can come in and my client bought this piece of land. It turns out that the neighbor is encroaching on it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'll go and fight over where the fence line is or whatever. Those were the the connections I had, the network that I had. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when I wanted to say, you know what, I'm just going to represent people in traffic court. It's easy. I can make money. I, it's not fancy. It is what it is. There's a service out there where they go and they research all the uh, the court records and mm-hmm. you pay a subscription to get these people's names and addresses. Mm-hmm. You send them a letter and say, hey, I'll help you out. Oh, right. Um, it ain't the pretty. The mechanism is there. And, and then, you know, you're sent, and then you just kind of, and then the next trick is to figure out mm-hmm. how to distinguish yourself in the production sphere. How you distinguish yourself? Right. Mine was easy. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a single person on staff when I was practicing law. Mm-hmm. It was just me. Yeah. So what that meant was when the phone rang, it was my cell phone. I picked it up and I said, "Hi, how are you?" Right. And they would say, "Can I talk to the lawyer?" And I said, "You got him." Yeah, right here. Hold Bam. on a second. Pro- bam, go. customer yeah. sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everybody else, they had to go through three different secretaries. They had to wait for yeah. a call back, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm Johnny on the spot. You know, our construction customers are the same way. We talk about, like, what's the most important tool in your kit? It's like, it's my cell phone. Because mm-hmm. you're out there on the job, you're working, and when a GC calls looking for a new framer, a new plumber, or whatever it is. Maybe the first one that picked up. If you were the first one that picks up, mm-hmm. you got the job. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't pick up, you're not that special. You're not that important. Yeah. <laughs> Moving yeah. on to the next guy. Yeah, there's a couple other people out there that can do the job. And so, yeah, so you were talking <clears throat> about our neighbors uh, next door. And they do a lot of, they started doing a lot of custom furniture. And I had had a conversation with them recently where uh, they were like, man, this is just really difficult because we spent all this time designing this one table. Right. And all we get to do is make it once. Exactly. We've got these beautiful designs, these plans, and we made it once. And now we got to go put those on a file somewhere because the next person wants something completely different. Right. And it almost feels as if you're not even maximizing the amount of profit that you're getting from this wonderful skill that you have, this art that you have, the design, the, you know what I mean? And so there was, he was saying to me, he said, what we're looking for now is to take some of these great designs that we've done over the years, figure out how we can maybe simplify some of them and then create these patterns, mass produce them and maybe put them in stores that sell the exact, like I'm going to sell 10 of this table that I designed before. And that he thinks that may be a better model for them moving forward. You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook. It's, it's the same when, if you're doing custom cabinetry mm-hmm. or custom trim carpentry or whatever it is, 
you're never doing the same job twice. And that's fun. That's exciting. It's yeah. like I get to do something different every time. But on the other hand, you're the master craftsman. You're going to be doing it. And there's a limit to your time. Yeah. You can only get so big if you're doing all the work. Yeah, that's true. So if you move down that artistic scale to the next level of customizable, mm -hmm. then now maybe I can do the same variations on a theme more often, and I can hire a couple of people who might not be quite as good as I am, mm -hmm. who can do most of the work. Maybe they can, you know, the, the great artists of all time, the, the famous painters, oh, they didn't yeah. paint it all. No, heck no. They had studios, yeah. they had students who'd come in and paint most of it, and then, you know, Monet would come in there at the end and, and put a couple of brush uh -huh. strokes on there and write yeah. his name on it. Boom, yeah. you got a Monet. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is the same thing in any business is you want to, if you want to hire people who might not be as That's also the way Stephen you, King writes books now. I, I thought he just had a computer just spits out words. <laughs> you know, no, he's got a whole writing studio. It's like, it's like okay, pick your demon of choice. <laughs> pick your haunted house of choice. <laughs> right. Mix it all together. And boom, you have a customizable horror novel. It's like the manatees in South Park. <laughs> this, is how you, <laughs> this is how you make a Family Guy episode. Okay. But, and these are all, you know, the, we laugh about this, but this is how customizable works. You know, you have a developer, starts a neighborhood, picks either an animal and a land feature. Oh, this is Fox Lake. This is Wolf Hill. Oh. Or <laughs> this is funny because it's true. Or they pick, you know, some historic English town. This is oh Wilshire Village. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then they say, okay, we're going to have five house plans each one has you can get three different colors you can get the the gold bronze and silver window package and, right. and the garage package and that's how you build a house yeah and then you have like do you want rugs okay check this box right. and so that way that de that developer is able to bring on um either directly negotiate or with the subcontractors who are working in that subdivision Okay, this is we're going to use one type of molding on every single house in this joint. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go down to the lumber yard and we're going to say, "Hey, look, this is the profile we want. We need it in buttload quantities." Yeah. So we want a, cut all of them, and we, you can actually pretty well pre-cut it all because they're all the same house, right? And then you, or at least rough cut it, and then you also um, you can say we want a really good deal on this profile, right? Now I don't want the other one. No. This is the one I want. I yeah. want all of them. And the supplier's like, sure, because I'm cutting 10,000 of these, so this makes it easy for and me. And when I come deliver it to the neighborhood, yeah, I can yeah. put, hey, you want a tractor trailer just to sit in there full of this stuff and you can pull it as needed? Great. Great. Bam. Awesome. One my, delivery. My Boom. delivery cost just went down. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> that way I'm giving a little bit of customization to everybody mm -hmm. so that, you know, you can ride through the neighborhood and the same house is not next to each other. The same houses, you know, they're always separated by three doors or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, wait a minute. That's the same house I just saw. Uh -huh. But each one's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You can pick your colors. Yeah. You can arrange it a little bit different. But I'm still getting good deals on the components The man, the and it goes in here. Also, you know, from a labor perspective, if I'm the guy framing it, it's like, okay, I just need to know how to frame two houses and I can do this entire neighborhood. I don't have mm -hmm. to think about 
wow, in this one particular house, they've got this crazy HVAC system that I've got to figure out how to work around and blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's all there. It makes it easier for all the people that you're hiring all the way down the chain. That's right. The electricians come in, we're putting the sockets all in the same places. And it's, like the the plumbing. it's the same receptacle, same color, yeah. same model yeah. in every house. Go with it. All the toilets are going here for the plumber. <laughs> He's real happy. <laughs> and, and by the fourth or fifth house, the plumbers really have because the framers got everything right so we can put his piping in the right way. Exactly. Yeah. So it work it everything gets more efficient when you're looking at that sort of customizable level. It's not it's not, you know, it's not like the the low budget developer, you know, the the big global company that goes in there and I always tell people the story watching the subdivision go up near my house and I saw this one there was one guy on a ladder outside the window and no, it wasn't even anybody outside. It was mm -hmm. two guys stick the head out the window. One of them holds the window up, puts it in the hole, and the other one hits the nail. Then, mm. No level, no square, no mm. measure, no nothing. Uh -huh. Bam, there uh -huh. it is, on to the next one. Yeah. They had, I went in one of the model units. The floor covering was so thin, if you had walked in there in spike heels, you'd go through <laughs> You're going to go through it. You'd be in the basement. <laughs> but... You know, they were in a good neighborhood. They made them fast, and they made a ton of money on those things. Yeah. They won't last as long as the 30-year mortgage, right. but they made a lot of money on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> about home building right there. <laughs> Actually, I, just, I, I just had this conversation the other day with somebody who was defending a, a local uh, box home kind of builder around this area and he was like i don't know why people talk so bad about this guy you know he makes a decent house and i and i was like and, and they're friends right so i don't right. want to talk you know bad bad about the dude's friend but i said to him i'm like yeah they are decent houses but they're four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and i doubt you it's going to be worth anything by the time you finish paying that thing off. Yeah, that's a whole different topic about the, the state of building. Um, you, you know, hey, if I put granite countertops and a stainless steel refrigerator in the house, then it must be nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's not the case. <laughs> and I've walked into a couple of these box homes and or yeah, they had the stainless steel fridge and the and the granite countertop, but then the wind blew, <laughs> and you can hear it like it was freaking Dorothy in Kansas inside the whole thing. And I'm like, what? You're like, what is going on? I the had walls were so thin. There's another neighborhood near me. I was talking to one of the people that lived in it, and they had put the main vents and intakes for the HVAC system right next to each other. So there was a, a place on the floor about five feet square that was perfectly conditioned. The rest of the house was <laughs> either hot or cold, cold or all right. out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so you made a note when we were talking about this. You said the number of customers is inversely proportional to suppliers and buying power. Okay, I got to think back to when I wrote those notes. But mm -hmm. yeah, I so, thought it was an interesting statement. Well, right? what that means is, if I am buying, if I have a handful of customers, mm -hmm. they're all want different things. Okay. So me as the producer, going to my supplier, I'm going to have very little buying power. I can't go and force my suppliers mm, I see. Yeah. to give me a good price. Right. Let's go back to the furniture maker guy. Well, I'm buying a little bit of walnut, I'm buying a little bit of maple, I'm buying a little bit of oak, I'm buying whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
you know, I'm going to get the worst price on that. Right, right. Versus if I have. Give me all this maple. If I have lots and lots of customers, then I'm, that means most likely I'm buying a lot of the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can force a better price. Because, you know, the, the one thing we want to make clear is you can be successful with any of these models. <coughs> but one of the key things is you can't just look at the revenue you're generating. Yes. You can generate all the revenue in the world, but that doesn't mean you're making money. That's right. Unless you're being profitable. Right. And so you need to analyze what is your profit margin? You know, it's like, oh, great. You know, I made a million dollars of revenue this year, but I spent it all on materials. Yeah. Then you didn't make any money. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that when we were talking about it earlier, just in terms of $100 bills. Sure, like your, your revenue comes in, you got $100, right? hmm But if your cost was $99, you only took home one buck. That's right. All right? So you want that revenue to be $100, but you want your cost to be $50. Right. And so, uh, w- and what you will find as your business grows under any of these scenarios, you have to occasionally stop, take a step back, look at your business and figure out where am I making, where am I actually making money? Mm-hmm. I might be making the most revenue doing one part of my job, but I'm only making a profit on a different part of my job. So going by the 80-20 rule of where am I getting 80% of my profit, Mm -hmm. you might realize that the thing you are selling the most of, you should stop. Yeah. Unless there's some other counter-prevailing reason to get it out there. You know, it's like, okay. I'm thinking about it in terms of movie theaters, right? So you you pay $9 to see a movie. And that's, and we look at the, right, $9.50, right? $12. $12. And when we see, oh, th- this box office smash brought in like X amount of millions of dollars, that's the money of the ticket prices coming in, right? right? And that's a large revenue number. But these huge multiplex theaters aren't making money off your ticket price. No, they're making money off that $4 drink that your child Exactly, wanted. or the, the $7 small popcorn. And that's where the profit actually comes That's why from. you put the water bottle in your pocket when you go, go in. Go in, that's right. That's <laughs> why I, I eat before I go to a restaurant. Or like my Aunt Gladys does, she just makes a whole cooler of fried chicken and puts it underneath her shirt. <laughs> like a cooler bag and carries it in. <laughs> like, you know, we'd be grubbing on some fried chicken in the movie theater. But anyways... But the movie is what draws people in right. to the profit. And so for a, a consumer Avenue. good yeah. product, mm-hmm. a company, you might have some little uh, very small product that you sell that you don't make any money off of, but you can sell enough of them that people go see it and say, oh, what is, what is, what is, what is that? Yeah. Where did you get that? What else does that company have? And then they mm-hmm. go to your company's website or find out more about your company. And then that's it's it's the candy. It's the candy, right? It gets them in. And then we and hook the them on this other thing. Yeah, right. You just mm-hmm. selling that one thing. You're not making any money off of it. It's it's just to get them in the door. Right, right. This is this may be one of the most important conversations I feel like we've had in this podcast. For some reason, it's really resonating with me. And just from a um, a business growth level. I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are thinking about starting their own businesses or they have their own businesses and they've contacted us and they say, this is like 
this podcast is like a master class right now in business. We need more of this information. And this particular course on scalability is right up there with the top three, even though we only have like 11. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is this conversation was great and I really, really enjoyed having it. I hope you guys enjoyed and learned a little something more about the difference between being custom, customizable, and then being a production-based company. And maybe with that information, you can decide what direction you want to go with your company. I'm Diamondback Damani. You know where to find me. I'm with Connor, the homie. And uh, be good to yourself. If not, be good to somebody. Have a really, really great day. You've just been listening to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm your host, Damani. Follow me on Instagram at Diamondback underscore Damani. That's D-A-M-A-N-I. Or follow Connor on Instagram at Diamondback.ToolBelts. You can also find more about Diamondback by visiting our YouTube page or Facebook page. Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today, and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes. Take care. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 